Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Played and won championships with the Miami Heat. I hosted a sports radio show in Miami. It's very, very similar. Norris Cole filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight here on Amber and Ian. It's almost the same, Norris, me and you. Be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Do you have me now, Norris? Yes. We were having some technical difficulties. All right. I was giving you I was giving you some love off the top for winning NBA titles with the Miami Heat while you were playing with the Miami Heat. And then I was simultaneously uh, including myself in the conversation because I host a radio. I hosted a radio show in Miami and I'm like you and me, man. We're built the same. You know, it's about the same. We're both champs out there. You're part of the nation. You're definitely a citizen (laughs) of the nation. Uh, definitely a citizen <laughs> of the nation. Uh, Miami, not so much New York, but somehow I spent a lot of my time talking about the New York Jets. Mm. The Dolphins are playing the Jets this weekend. And yet one of the big stories is Zach Wilson getting benched for Tim Boyle. And Zach Wilson is one of these players, Norris, who has not proven himself to be an excellent quarterback, and yet because he plays in New York and because of the way that the Jets have handled him over the last couple years, we talk about him extensively. Now he's not even going to be playing for them because they have decided to move on to a guy who has thrown three touchdown passes and nine interceptions so far in his NFL career. It is that guy that they have decided is better than Zach Wilson and gives them the best chance against that Dolphins defense. Yeah, this makes no sense. You go from one backup quarterback who probably would be irrelevant if it wasn't in New York to an even less relevant third string. And I just don't understand, you know, if if Zach Wilson needs to get better, the only way to get better is to play and to develop. And so, for me, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't continue to play him, especially if you fall out of playoff, the playoff pitcher. You need him to get better. You need him to get in-game reps. You need him to get rhythm with those first-team guys. So, for me, I don't get it. I don't think it gives you a better chance at winning. Um, so, maybe they know more football than we know. Maybe they know something we don't know, Amber. Eh, but <laughs> uh, no, the, I'm not giving the, the NFL coaches <laughs> – That kind of credit that they know more than old Amber Wilson over here. Let's not get crazy. Tim Boyle in college at UConn, three years, one touchdown, 13 interceptions. When he was at Eastern Kentucky, one year, little better, 11 touchdowns, but oh, by the way, 13 interceptions again. Then he played for the Packers, one touchdown, and you guessed it, 13 interceptions because this man loves double-digit interceptions. The Lions for a year, three touchdowns, six interceptions. The Bears for one year, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. And the Jets, his resume so far, no touchdowns, one interception. We will see what it looks like against the Dolphins. I hate this move. But also, if you're telling me that guy 
that guy is better than Zach Wilson, then it's got to be a wrap with the Zach Wilson experience. It's got to be a wrap. In New York, it's got to be a wrap. If you're saying that dude gives me a better chance, then that's it. It's a wrap. And I'm going to just be honest. I don't know how his guy has a job. <laughs> right. Boy, I'm serious. I, don't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say his name and do all that. But since we already here, boy, I don't know how he has a job over RG3 or Kaepernick or whatever. Like, I'm sure there's some guys out there that's better than him in a backup role. 100%, I'm sure. So I, I don't even understand that. Well, some did of it hear, is that did Tim you Boyle. That you said? Did you yeah, I, I heard it. Now, some of it. Some of it is that Tim Boyle has embraced the backup role. Like he's fine. he's actually the third string quarterback on this Jets team, right? Because Aaron Rodgers was the starter. Obviously, Zach Wilson was supposed to be the backup. Tim Boyle has embraced that role, and that's all well and good until all of a sudden you're thrust as a starter into the situation because Zach Wilson isn't panning out. But what I don't understand about this is that this feels a lot like what they did last season with Mike White, but at least with Mike White, there was some hope that maybe you could find something in Mike White and hit on that. If you were in New York, looking back on that, what the hell was the point of toggling between Zach Wilson and Mike White? You might as well have just rocked with Zach Wilson the entire year. You weren't, doing anything in the postseason anyways. Like, just ride with Zach Wilson. And if you had given him the entire season, then maybe you would have realized, hey, we've got to move on. He can't even be Aaron Rodgers' backup. He's just not it. Instead, you bring back in Zach Wilson to back up a 38-year-old quarterback behind a terrible O-line with a high probability that, yes, there's going to be injuries. And at some point in the season, you might have to see Zach. Now, Aaron Rodgers, the Jets quarterback, was on the Pat McAfee show. Shocker, I know. He said that the decision of benching Zach Wilson might have been kind of a scapegoat decision. We need a spark, and obviously this was uh, the decision that was made. I feel for Zach. I love Zach. You know, Zach's such a great kid, and I do think he still has a bright future in the league. This has been a tough go for all of us. Uh, a lot of times in these situations, there's certain guys that got a scapegoat, and uh, I think there's enough blame to go around a number of different positions. You know, if you have 10 guys doing it right on a play and one guy not, um, it's hard to hard to be efficient. I don't often agree with things Aaron Rodgers says, but there you go. Uh, I agree with that, Norris, because it feels like, yes, yeah, Zach Wilson has not been good. Don't get me wrong. He has not been good. But right. at the same time, he gets all the blame when there's other problems on this Jets offense and also a problem with the fact that they had – him as the insurance plan for that guy, for Aaron Rodgers. If you knew that Zach Wilson didn't have it, then you shouldn't have had him as the backup plan because the situation, frankly, wasn't so crazy that a 38-year-old, 39-year-old quarterback would have gone down behind that line. Absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with Aaron Rodgers. Um, They should have had packages ready just in case they had to go to Zach Wilson because clearly – he doesn't run the same type of offense as Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't make the same type of throws, the same timing. His protections are going to be a little bit different, how they slide and protect him. So I believe that it's not just on him. So, yes, he is used as a scapegoat because, what, he's the number two pick. Um, he, he hasn't played well. Last year he didn't play that well. So he's easy to scapegoat him. But no young quarterback can play without an offensive line. No good, No great quarterback can play without one. But especially a young quarterback – how can he make reads when he doesn't have the protections? How can you make reads when the plays that are being called doesn't suit your strength? No, no RPO actions, no slide in the pocket so he can get out and use some of his athletic ability. No, no play action. They got a good running game, but the RPO play action game should work for them because they have a, a, a good back mm-hmm. in Priest. So 
yeah, I don't know what the offensive coordinator is doing. I don't know what they're doing as far as managing their young quarterback. Seems like they're trying to embarrass this young kid. And, you know, I don't know who he has to go home to mentally. I don't know if he have a wife, girlfriend, whatever. But, man, this young kid is going through a lot mentally in the big, <laughs> in the big city of New York. And everyone's getting to watch it. So I feel bad for him. And I agree with, I agree with, with A-Rod a- that he's just being used as a scapegoat. It's really hard to have the confidence if you're Zach Wilson and you're thrust into the situation. You're right. Nathaniel Hackett's system was tailored very specifically to Aaron Rodgers. The only reason Hackett is there is because of Aaron Rodgers. He's not there to develop Zach Wilson. But here we are in a situation where Zach Wilson is expected on the fly to develop when he wasn't even supposed to be playing this season. And now he's playing behind an O-line that's going to once again have a different makeup against the Dolphins because the plan with this O-line was... Uh, you know, Makai Becton, who's been injured his entire NFL career, and Vera Tucker, who I think only played seven games last season. I don't have it in front of me, but another guy who's always injured. Dwayne Brown, who's like 38 years old or whatever it is. So that O-line was going to have problems. uh, And Zach Wilson needs time to read the field and read the defense to make his throws because he ain't Aaron Rodgers. You took him him with the second pick. You knew he wasn't NFL ready, but all this toggling, none of it has done anything to help your second overall pick develop. And frankly, I don't think going to Tim Boyle is necessarily going to do that either for the future. But at this point, if they're rocking with Tim Boyle, just ride it out with Tim Boyle, New York, And the Zach Wilson experience, I think, needs to find itself in a different city. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian with Norris Cole filling in for Ian tonight. From one scapegoat to another. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's been an okay season for the Steelers overall, at least in terms of the record, in terms of their opportunity to make a postseason. It has not been an okay season when you actually pull the offensive numbers and also when you look at the development or lack thereof of Kenny Pickett throughout this regular season. Amber and Ian is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Norris Cole filling in for Ian tonight. You can find him at PG30 underscore Cole on X. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So the Pittsburgh Steelers made a change, something that they never do in season. They fired their coach, which is the first time I think that they've fired a coach since 1941 or something, Norris, but they fired mm-hmm. their offensive coordinator in this situation to try to right some of those woes while they're still in a position where, yeah, they can make a postseason and maybe make some noise. Matt Canada loses his job 
And now we'll see if the Pittsburgh Steelers all of a sudden get much better, but it feels a little bit like a desperation move almost where we've got to do something to wake up this offense. Well, as a player, I kind of understand when organizations make moves like this that they traditionally don't make, most times it's because there's a lot of pressure from the players. You know, the players are giving their all. They want to feel like they have the best chance at winning. And they're feeling like the plays that's being called, the game plan that's being brought up is not even giving them a chance of competing to win. So I think once Tomlin, you know, heard that initially, he kind of fought it, but it became apparent like, hey, a change has to be made. And you don't want to lose your locker room because you lose, if you lose the locker room, now his job is going to be, you know, up for grabs. And so I think he, I think he did the right thing. Uh, we all know that this is not something that he normally does. So, you know, Matt Canada has to know like, hey, it, it, something had to be done. This is professional sports. You just can't be throwing two-yard passes 15 times in one game. That just That's just not NFL football anymore. And so I don't, I don't think it ever was. So I think now with the firing, I hopefully it, it lights a spark, you know, for this team because they're still in contention. With the abysmal offense that they have, the defense have kept them above water. It's weird because you're right. They're, 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 they're very much in contention, right? And so typically if you're in contention – and you have a winning record in a season where nobody really expected anything from you, you'd think, all right, well, everyone's going to keep their jobs. But what has been the frustration has been, I think, most notably, the regression of Kenny Pickett. And I think that's really what ends up costing Matt Canada his job. Because last season, the end of the season, we saw a lot of promise from Kenny Pickett in the second half of the season. Then in the preseason, you saw a whole lot of promise from Kenny Pickett. But by the way, those games don't count. And you get into the regular season, and he starts going the opposite direction. And I almost think that makes it worse because you had seen the promise and then he starts regressing. And so 10 games into the season, they end up parting ways with their OC, something that I totally did not expect from Tomlin during the season. And I'm not here to question anything Mike Tomlin does because that man's resume speaks for itself. But exactly. But at the same time, this is not a move that you expect. And it's not a move that I think I would have expected coming off of a 13-10 loss to the Browns. I mean, it's not like they got blown out this past week by any means. It was a hard-fought game. And again, they're still in contention for the postseason. So I was surprised that it came now. I wasn't surprised that Matt Canada lost his job. But I was surprised that it came during the actual season. So I'm kind of with you. It feels like it's got to be almost a locker room component to this. I mean, you played in the NBA for a long time, right? You can understand Mm -hmm. the player perspective of that. Were they going to lose the locker room from a player perspective if they didn't make a coaching change? Absolutely. You know, when you, when you have your defensive guys talking like, Hey coach, now coach, I mean, we got to score some points. We need to have some flow. And then you have your young quarterback. He's probably talking to the coach like, coach, like, what is this game plan? Like, what is the game plan where I only throw two passes for 15-plus yards, the rest of the passes is dink and dunk. You know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that the players kind of was like, all right, coach, now, you know, we need to make a change. And now this is on picket, though. He's going to have to show because even though the offense hasn't been great, there has been times where he had a chance to make some great throws and he made some off-target throws, which is normal. But, you know, when things are going bad, everything's highlighted. And so now some of those off-target throws, he's going to have to get on target because I don't think the offense is all of a sudden dramatically going to change. I just think the play calling within that offense is going to change. Kenny Pickett threw for just 106 yards in Sunday's 13-10 loss to Cleveland. He had several communication issues. 
with Deontay Johnson. I mean, it, it, the numbers are, are, are abysmal when you abysmal. pull them, and that's really the problem. Because the overall, again, like the record's not... The when you just see thirteen ten loss to Cleveland and and you know it's a, I mean that's arguably the best defense in the league when you see that you're like uh-huh. ah, okay I mean Cleveland listen Cleveland can do a lot of damage to a lot of people out there in the NFL not just Kenny Pickett right. but it's a season long of this thing and there was a ten game sample of this thing where the Steelers offense ranked twenty eighth in the NFL in scoring thirty first in passing twenty fifth. Mm in third down and red zone efficiency. It's been ugly for that. Yeah, abysmal. It's ugly. And it's bizarre because look at where they are. They have talent, too, on offense. They have talent, but more importantly, they've got a winning record, and they're still right there in a situation where they can make the postseason at 6-4. and Chris Carlin, he hosts a little show here on ESPN Radio called Carlin versus Joe, and he Mm -hmm. says that this is a move by Tomlin to try to save the season. He's only going to give him the opportunity up until the point where it means he's not giving away the season. And Mike Tomlin, you know what I hear right now? Mike Tomlin wants to win right now. Mike Sullivan's going to call the plays. He's been a coordinator before. Mike Tomlin wants to win these games right now and get into the postseason because let's be honest, in the AFC, the door is wide open. The door is wide open. I agree. That's and that's what this is about. It's exactly what Carlin just said. The door is wide open. If the door was shut, or if this was another, if this was the first losing season for Tomlin, if this was that sort of situation for the Steelers, then I don't think they bother firing Matt Canada during the season. It's because they're in a position to do well. No, I totally agree. And with the firing, though, what does the lease look like now for Kenny Pickett? Because they have veteran backups I mean they don't they don't have to rely on the young fella I mean what what is his lease going to look like now because clearly the AFC is wide open they're in a conference that's the toughest in football but the conference is wide open with you know Burrow going down and you know there's a battle with, with bad quarterback play in Cleveland as well so no, it was wide open I wonder I wonder what's next and I wonder what what is he going to do as far as Kenny Pickett and how long his lease is going to be well, that's the that's always the the hard part of this conversation because now you're talking about a Steelers team that right now if the season ended today they'd be in the postseason right and they're trying mm-hmm. to make a postseason and that's the goal and I don't think anybody thinks the Steelers are probably winning a Super Bowl this season, but it would be another massive success under Tomlin if he has another winning season and if they make another postseason here. So because also this wasn't really a season that they were supposed to win a Super Bowl and frankly Norris when you're coming off of. Ben Roethlisberger, right? When you're coming off of a future Hall of Fame quarterback, then there's going to be some down years probably going to the next guy. I think we kind of understate that. Overall, if you can in that time period when you're transitioning from that guy to Mm -hmm. the next guy, if you can still have winning seasons and make postseasons, I feel like you're doing pretty well overall. But... It's the regression. I think if they had seen any promise from Kenny Pickett moving forward, then Matt Canada keeps his job. But it's the regression, and they started feeling like he's going the opposite way. So now I think the leashes, you have to improve. But you have to start going back the right direction. You don't have to win. You know, you're not, like, nobody's asking you to win the conference, right? Like, uh-huh. you're not winning a Super Bowl. Nobody's asking any crazy, miraculous things, I don't think, this season from Kenny Pickett. I think it's that you have to start trending back the direction that it looked like you were trending in the second half of last season. You have to show us that there is some promise moving forward. Absolutely. That's Once all you again. want to see in a young that's all you want to see in a young quarterback. Week to week, see his reads get done quicker, more efficiently, without turning the ball over. That's all you want to see. Yeah, protect the football, 
That's what he's got to do. Read mm-hmm. those defenses better. Read them quicker. All the things that all the young quarterbacks have to do. But he has to look more like the guy that we saw in the preseason than the guy that we have seen so far through 10 <laughs> games of this regular season. I think otherwise the leash is there because you've got to allow Kenny Pickett some time. And now you're talking about another young quarterback who's going to have a new OC next season, and he's going to have to learn a whole new system. And that's Mm. always difficult for any quarterback when they make those changes, them learning the new system, and then expecting them in the midst of all of that to prove themselves and keep their jobs. So it's some tough sledding here for Kenny Pickett, but he's got to do something as the Steelers try to make a postseason. Coming up next, how competitive has the NBA in-season tournament been so far? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rolling along here on Amber and Ian. Of course, we're talking a lot of NFL, but, but I've got an NBA champion filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight because Norris Cole is in the saddle for Ian Fitzsimmons. So we've got to give the NBA its due, and it's been a heck of an NBA season already so far. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance, but Norris alone isn't enough. Let's bring in some even more help with the NBA (laughs) conversation. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst joining us. And Tim, thanks so much for your time on the eve of Thanksgiving here. Right now, tipping off, you've got a 10-4 and versus an 11-3 in the Bucks and the Seas. What are you looking for in this matchup? Why is this one must-watch television? Well, I think it, it was clear uh, coming out of the summer and the offseason that these were the cream, these are the two teams that are creaming the crop in the Eastern Conference. There's no doubt about it. I think most people expect them to be on a collision course in the conference finals. They're going to have to go through each other to get to the NBA finals. Now, I do think Philadelphia, now that they've moved on from James Harden and, and Tyrese Maxey is – the guy that they thought he was and his ceiling is all-star caliber. Philadelphia's going to have some something to say about that, but I still think these two teams represent the top shelf in the East, and that's why you know, this is such a dramatic matchup and, and something we're all waiting to say. What's going on, Tim? What up, Norris? How are you, man? Pretty good, pretty good. You just talked about the Sixers. They lost to the Cavs last night. But let's talk about Tyrese Maxey. Man, he's blossomed without James Harden into stardom. So what are your thoughts on how he's played so far in his future this season? Yeah, yeah. I think, listen, they, they he was living in the shadows of Harden as long as he was there. He lived in the shadows of Simmons before that. So this is a guy that I, I recognize early on. He just has a special quality about him in terms of his, his energy, enthusiasm, his bounce. He's unflappable. He does not get discouraged. He's got supreme confidence. And then in a league full of really quick guys, 
there's Tyrese Maxey, De'Aaron Fox. Like these are the two guys with the basketball that just get places on the court quicker than anybody else. So he's got this special athletic ability that enables him to to be able to break defenses down, and he combines it with deep, consistent three-point shooting. So I think the cloud that James Harden had hanging over this franchise needed to be lifted, and they did lift it. And now they've given the ball to Tyrese Maxey. It's it's you know it's his show along with Joel Embiid, and Embiid has incredible amount of confidence in him. And I think that now they can move forward with a guy who they needed to find out what is his ceiling because he obviously had shown splashes of it before, but he was never able to do it consistently because he just didn't have the ball enough in the course of the game. Now he's got the ball. He's got control. He's got the reins of the entire team. So now you can see what he's capable of doing. He's already had a 50-point game here at the start of the year. I think he's going to be an all-star this year in the Eastern Conference, and I think eventually you might see Tyrese Maxey on one of the all-league teams in this league. That's how highly I think of him and how special talent I think he is. And I think as a result, the Sixers can now move forward and hope that they get into the postseason again, they're going to have a guy with the basketball that plays with a lot of confidence because they did not have that between James Harden and Ben Simmons. The last two guys that played point guard for this team, they came up small when they needed them the most. I don't think you're going to have the same problem with Tyrese Maxey. Quick question about Maxey. Why didn't they pay him this summer? Because now it's going to cost them maybe $100 million more. Because if he makes an all-NBA team, now you're talking about super maxes. Yeah, and I think the reason was because they still had so much uncertainty surrounding the Harden situation. You know, they, in my opinion, they should have moved on from James Harden the day he said he wanted to be traded. And, And I think that they looked around the league and they found that the market value for James Harden had dropped so significantly that they were unrealistic in what they were going to get back. And once they finally got through the summer, they tried to force him back to camp. They were going to try to force him to play. He made the comments about Daryl Morey. For me, that was just you know, no returning after that. Sixers still tried to force the issue, and they finally came to the conclusion they had to recalibrate what he was worth to the rest of the league because he's a very unique guy that mm-hmm. you have to incorporate, and, and very few teams had the makeup to handle it. And Clippers were probably the one team that could – so Philadelphia, I think, finally realized the return was not going to include a Terrence Mann, was not going to include you know a young all-star from some team. They have to get back what they can, and once they made that decision, they moved on from it. But I think the whole reason that the Maxi thing didn't get done is because they still had James Harden on their roster, and they really didn't know exactly where that was going to lead. Tim nice. Legler joining us here on Amber and Ian, NBA champ Norris Cole filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. So that cloud that was hanging over Philadelphia is now hanging over the Clippers. Of course, I'm talking about James Harden. So, Tim, why are the Clippers so bad? Is it just Harden? It's not just Harden. And I think, look, they're going to have, um, I think, a better, as long as guys stay healthy, they're, they're going to have a much better run here coming up. I, it, it, when you have three guys and you got Russell Westbrook into the mix, it's really four. Four guys that have been alphas on their teams throughout their respective careers, and now you're asking them all to sort of blend together on the fly and make it work. You're going to have a, you know, a, an offense that doesn't flow, and that's exactly what they have looked like. It's been a little bit better lately. I think they're still trying to figure out, you know, when, when out of a combination of four guys, depending on who's out there together – how is the ball going to operate? Who's going to have it? What's the rhythm of flow going to look like of the offense? And, and that's going to take time because they're four ball-dominant players. 
So I'm not going to necessarily dismiss them just yet. I think their best basketball is to come. But here's here's my point all along with the Clippers. I, my my belief in whether the Clippers could be a factor in the West or a contender in the West has nothing to do with James Hart. He doesn't move the needle for me one bit with the Clippers. The whole thing comes down to, do you believe that Kawhi Leonard is going to be healthy for an entire season and potentially a two-month playoff run? If you believe that, you didn't need James Harden, okay? Because that's what it all hinges on, because Kawhi Leonard is that special. Now, to me, you might have to suspend reality to think that that's the case based on his recent history the last several years. I mean, Kawhi Leonard has barely been out there. So I don't know necessarily that we can buy in that he will be this year. But if you did believe that, you didn't need to go get a Harden. I think more than anything, he represents insurance in the regular season. If Kawhi Leonard goes out for an extended period of time or Paul George, who's also had injuries, goes out for an extended period of time, you still have an elite-level offensive player, and you can go win games in the regular season. In the postseason, it's going to be about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. If those guys are healthy, it doesn't matter that you added James Harden to me. It gives them a little bit more depth. But ultimately, it comes down to those other two stars and whether or not they can be there when they absolutely have to have it most. And in recent history, that has not been the case, particularly for Kawhi Leonard. Switching gears to that other team in L.A., the Lakers went 4-0 in group play in the in-season tournament. And you have the Pacers, who's also you know, advanced to the, quarterfi- the quarterfinals in the in-season tournaments. What's your thought on the tournament so far? Yeah, listen, I'm going to be the first to admit I was highly skeptical when they put this thing together. I just didn't understand how you were going to get guys to be motivated for something like that during the season when there is a much bigger award at the end, right, that these teams are going to be vying for. Uh, And when you look at what's going on with the league with load management and guys getting nights off and everything else, I just, I was worried that the league was going to try to, they're trying to infuse interest in the regular season and make guys you know, play a little bit harder and show up on a nightly basis. I was worried that it was going to be the opposite effect, that the guys were going to be missing games and the whole thing was going to really just not have any sort of interest. I was wrong. I, I, what I've seen so far, these guys are into it. Um, and so I guess what you're relying on is ultimately, if you make it to the NBA, you're a highly competitive individual, like mm-hmm. you know, top one, one-tenth of one percent people on earth. Right? That's what it takes to get to something like that. So you want to compete, and you like wins and losses. And so these guys, once they, something was put in front of them, something additional to compete for, they jumped on it. And I think it, it especially is interesting to the teams that really haven't had a lot of recent success that are trying to move the needle forward to give their franchise confidence. I look at an Indiana as a great example of that. Look at a team like Minnesota. I think this means a lot to them um, with a young star in Anthony Edwards and a, and a team that wants to be a factor in the West. I think teams like that, like this means a great deal to the Lakers even, who have been really mediocre here at the start of the year. But it gives them, I think, added confidence um, to get into that and maybe get to the Final Four in Vegas and potentially win it. I think it sends a message that, hey, you know, you haven't heard the last of LeBron James. So uh, for me, what I have watched, there's been intensity. These guys seem to be into it. They're paying attention to, to these games and to the, to the standings, and it seems to have a little bit more relevance to them. So kudos to the league. I think they actually added something that has worked so far. Tim Legler joining us here on Amber and Ian with Norris Cole filling in for Ian tonight. There's been a lot of Zach Levine trade rumors, Tim, and I keep hearing that the market's limited for him, but obviously we are talking about a young star in Chicago. What team should be all in on trading for him? 
Yeah, look, if you're looking at Zach Levine, you, you better be ready to, you know, think that you can win it if you add him. I mean, that, that's, that's the short list of teams I'm looking at. You're not going to trade for Zach Levine if you're a middle-of-the-ground team or you're a younger lottery-bound team. Like that, You don't want to add a guy at this stage of his career that makes that much money. So you're talking about a short list of teams that may be a piece away to contend with the Denvers of the world or the Phoenixes of the world or Milwaukee or Boston. So I look at a team like Miami. Like they should be interested in him, and they've got some young pieces potentially to get him back. Even a team like I think Toronto has some young pieces, and they could really, I think, significantly improve how you view them if you add a guy like Zach Levine. I think Philadelphia could be interested. I wouldn't be surprised not to see a team like Golden State maybe get interested because you've got uh, young pieces out there that I think they'd start to lose a little bit of confidence in that they thought were going to be more advanced at this stage. So those are the kinds of teams um, that you would, Lakers are always going to be in every single, every, every single time a name comes up of value, the Lakers are going to be thrown out there as a team that could be interested. So I think, I don't know specifically where he ends up, but it has to be that profile of team, a team that maybe can't win it as currently constituted but if you add another guy like Zach Levine who's capable on any given night of being the top scorer on the floor, you may give yourself a chance to get into the mix on a short list of teams that could win it. As a Miami Heat fan, I would take that kind of production. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure. Thanks Appreciate for you, on. Tim. Happy holidays. Yep. Yeah, same to you. Uh- yeah, I mean, Norris, and we're up against it. But, I mean, Zach Levine being out there, I know with the Bulls struggling, obviously now they're starting to get more open to this idea of trading him. And if I'm the Bulls, why not? Get what you can back from him. You're not in a position to contend right now. And these other teams are in a position to contend? Yeah, I mean, sure. Take the 21 points per night that he averages. Right. And great free throw shooting at that, too, and three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Only 28 years old, still on the right side of 30. Coming up next year on Amber and Ian, we will tell you what teams are actually good and what teams are fake good in the NFL. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So there's a lot of teams in the NFL that seem good, but it can be confusing. Are they actually good? Are they real good? Or are they fake good? We've turned it into a little game here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's how you join the conversation. Norris Cole filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. You can find him at PG30 underscore Cole. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So Norris, let's go ahead and decode this. And James Steele, he is our producer. He is pointing to himself, even though James, I was going to get to this read. Do you want to do this read for me? Oh, yeah, I can Take do the read. Uh, actually, Good or Fake Good is brought to you by Real Christmas Trees. Get real and keep it real this holiday season by buying real Christmas trees at Lowe's or wherever real Christmas trees are sold. For more info, visit getrealkeepitreal.com. All right, so Stop now we're going to... killing gonna... the Christmas tree industry, people. Yeah. Okay, Christmas tree farmers. 
They need you to buy real Christmas trees. I have takes Get on this, but I'm it. going to skip it because of that read. So here we go. Actually well, your take should be that real Christmas trees smell better and are awesome. And you should go buy one. That's your take. That's also the only take you can have right now, James. Move it along. Actually good or fake good. Mm. Uh, so where are you? Real Christmas trees. Actually good, by the way. There you go. Uh, so AKA pine trees. Pine trees. That's well, true. You That's northerners. <laughs> In Florida, they're just Christmas trees to me. Oh, okay. I wouldn't That's even know what time type of tree it them. is. That's the only time Floridians <laughs> see pine trees. And they charge Christmas. us a billion dollars for them, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's Real pine trees, trees with snow awesome. on them. Y'all have pine trees and y'all spray stuff on you them. Know, so. I get I get that. Every year I go buy a oh Christmas tree and I get it flocked every year. I love it. My yeah. flocked right. Christmas tree, they make me so happy. Actually good or fake good. The first team we're going to uh, go with is a team that we're all familiar with on this show. The Dolphins. Norris, are the Dolphins actually good or are they why fake are good? With him? Oh, why are you starting with me? You know Amber wanted that one. <laughs> I know. That's why I started with you. But, uh... They're they're re- they're really good. They're real good. They're official. See, James, you got the same answer I would have given. Yes, the Dolphins are actually good, yes, even though even though James is going to say, but they haven't beaten the good teams. I would say that if we're going to drop games, which by the way, nobody goes undefeated in the NFL except for. The Miami not, Dolphins back absolutely. in 1972. Okay. All right. Recognize. <laughs> but um, nobody else goes undefeated. So if you're going to lose games, which everybody is going to lose games in the NFL, kind of stands to reason that you should lose games against, you know, the best teams in the NFL. Not the worst teams in the NFL. Kind of shouldn't be a knock against you. The Dolphins are actually good. Not only offensively do they statistically have one of the best offenses in the league, of course, but also defensively, Vic Fangio's system finally settling in. Defensively, they seem like they've been getting more comfortable in that system and started to cook on that side of the ball as well. James? They should hire you as a lawyer, Amber. Oh, my goodness. You sold that <laughs> so well. All right. Uh, sticking in the AFC East. <laughs> the enthusiasm. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills. Amber, the Buffalo Bills actually good or fake good? Uh, The Buffalo Bills, I will still say, are actually good. Now, I am not one who is a Buffalo Bills hater by any means or one who's out on Josh Allen. I understand the turnovers are a legitimate problem for this Bills team. Also, I feel like that conversation is as old as Josh Allen's career. And Josh Allen has had a hell of a career so far in the NFL. So I would say they are actually good. Now, can they win a Super Bowl with him turning the football over as much as they've been making mistakes lately? Probably not. He does need to clean it up. They generally do need to clean things up in Buffalo. But yeah, it's a good team. Fake good. They're okay, but they're turning the ball over at a record-setting pace. There's some blame going on. You know, in the locker room, they're not on one accord with their attitudes, their minds, their spirit, and you can't win that way in the NFL. So I believe that they're fake good. Hell yeah, Norris. They're a bunch of frauds. All right. Uh, <laughs> I was going to I was gonna go to the Ravens next, but I think we all think that the Ravens are pretty they're good. good. They're good. They're real so good. They're we're going right. to go to a different uh, AFC North team. Uh, we're going to go to the Browns. Norris, are the Browns actually good or are they fake good? They are actually good. I believe when you have the best defensive player in the league and the best defense in the league, you have to be considered actually good. When you only have to score nine points in order to be able to win a game or ten points to win a game, you're actually good. Uh, they are actually good defensively. Uh, they are very, very good defensively. I actually think that's the best defense in the National Football League. I'm leaving the offense out of that conversation because the quarterback position – 
obviously a problem there for Cleveland. If you don't have it on that side of the ball, can you be actually good if you only ha- if I'm only confident in half of it? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, like there's somewhere in between. They're giving they're me Ravens between, vibes. They're giving me 2,000 Ravens vibes. That's what they're I think giving I'll, me. I think I'll say fake good because of the offense, because of the Deshaun Watson injury. Fake good, but only because of that. He was starting to like find it, I feel like. And then he, he got hurt. He found it for a game, he and was. he got hurt during the game. And by the way, found it. He found it mostly in the second half of that game while he was hurt and like with a broken bone the entire game. Yeah, it was 14 for 14 in the second half of the, that game. He's it was, yeah, it was remarkable. Even, even, and then his, yeah, and then his season that. was over. Um, all right, uh, sticking in the AFC North, the Steelers, Amber, are they actually good or are they fake good? Uh, they're, they're fake good. But, I, I mean, how good do does anybody think the Steelers actually are? They have, what, uh, seven one-score games they've been in, I think, in this scenario with the Steelers. They obviously have an issue there with Kenny Pickett. We discussed it extensively. He's trended the wrong direction. They just fire Matt Canada. I think when you add things up, you look at how bad the offense has been statistically. You can't actually argue that they are, in fact, actually good, Norris, despite the winning record and they're in playoff contention. Yeah, fake good for sure. We can move on from now. All right. One more uh, team in the AFC North, the Bengals. Norris, are they actually good or fake good? Now that Joe Burrow is out, they're they're fake good. Now with Joe Burrow in there, they're contenders. But right now, without no Joe Burrow, fake good. Yeah, they're fake good. I I have to apply the same logic to them that I just applied to the Browns, right? And also, I don't feel as good about them being incredibly elite on either side of the ball, even with Joe Burrow, but certainly without Joe Burrow. Forget about it. Fake good. All right, we're going to do one more real quick, sticking with the AFC. Uh, The AFC West... Not the Chiefs. We know the Chiefs are good. Uh, the Broncos, Amber, are they actually good or are they fake good? Uh, the Broncos are fake good, but they're not bad. I, th- I think what one of the more understated stories this season has been that Russell Wilson has actually been good this season. Norris, like that's actual good that he has been. It seems like Peyton has things headed the right direction there. But no, I'll they're say, not. Yeah, I mean, they're not say great. fake good. I say fake good. They, they started off abysmal now they've gotten better but they're so far behind i, I think they're fake good yeah I mean, you don't, they don't truly believe in russ even though he's playing well they don't truly believe in him anyway i don't know about that I, i'm not sure peyton would have taken that job if he didn't believe in russ but they're getting enough out of him that they need to they're sitting at 500 all that being said yeah they ain't winning a super bowl this season coming up next we're going to look ahead to the slate of nfl games headed your way on thanksgiving